Thanks for listening to another episode of Time Off. If you weren't aware, this podcast is related to a book we've been writing called, no surprise, Time Off. And both the podcast and the book are all about finding and designing your own rest ethic. Rest ethic. Why is a rest ethic important? Well, I like to think about it through the metaphor of breathing. Your work ethic is your inhale. It's important to have a good work ethic to get things done, just like it's important to have an inhale. But it doesn't work out too well to only inhale and never exhale. Rest is essential, so having an intentional rest ethic is like having an exhale for your inhale. I really appreciate you listening, and we've got another great episode today. Remember when we were kids... And we would spend a day maybe out on our bikes or playing in a field or exploring sidewalks, having so much fun. There were no software updates, notifications for our new likes or photo tags. We didn't receive calendar invites all the time. When was the last time you did an activity with 50 or more adults without a single one of those individuals? being on their phone. Well, this is actually happening frequently thanks to the BRIC movement. And the BRIC movement is a grassroots movement for people who are dissatisfied with their relationship to screens and social media and who are looking to spend more time engaged in the real world. They throw phone-free events, sounds awesome, retreats and private habit coaching motivated people who want to take control of their phone use. They also challenge the community, myself included, to turn their phone into a brick for a little bit each day, which means you set it down, put it into brick mode, and go do something engaging in the real world. I regularly put my phone into brick mode, not like smashing it with a brick, but you temporarily turn it off and make it useless. In this way, it doesn't control me, I control it. And we'll talk about that on this episode. Tommy Sobel started the BRIC movement. He has a background in neuroscience, was Steven Spielberg's assistant, then turned into a media executive and noticed a problem arising with smartphones and social media. So, he started Brick. In this episode, we discuss the awesome history of the Brick movement and how Tommy has evolved it over time, how to read 28 books in one year. Tommy actually evaluates me on this episode in real time to assess my own phone dependency, and that's pretty entertaining and useful for you to consider as well. We talk about the types of moments in real life that can give you neurochemicals that your smartphone simply can't. And we also, oddly or awesomely, get into the topic of making out. Mm. And you'll have to listen in to find out the romantic details. I'm grateful for your attention, for your listening, and I hope the conversation inspires you to live a bit differently tomorrow. So Tommy, I just recently got an email about the 
upcoming camping trip that Brick is putting on. Mm-hmm. What, what Glad led you to got that? that. Yeah, me too. Uh, what led to that? So we had our last, or is this being recorded? Did we start? Did we just jump right in or is this? Yeah, it's being, it's being recorded. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I keep We're it. On. <laughs> We're on. <clears throat> We're on. Okay. You know, so much about Brick is uh, spending time off our phones and we've been for the last two years putting together experiences to go phone free. And uh, this past spring, we had an entire weekend, uh, weekend retreat in Ojai where 55 people got off the grid and were secluded on a 20 acre property. And it was just the best. I mean, everybody went from strangers to super close friends in 40 hours of time together. That was about nine months ago. And so there's been a lot of almosts of putting together uh, a summer retreat and then a fall retreat, but it does take a ton of planning on my part. And I've been focused on some other, the next evolution of brick, which we might, we might bring up, but I kind of woke up probably just Monday, a couple of days ago. And was like, Oh my God, I don't need to curate an entire experience. The, the last retreats have been fully programmed with yoga and meditation and wellness experiences and hikes led by wilderness survival experts. I realized that there is still so much magic just in the simplicity of spending time with others in the real world without the phones. And I don't need to, it, it's great to uh, provide programming, but we have this amazing campsite in the Sequoias and there's so many things to do uh, in the natural world. Let's make this one open-ended. And so I'm calling it the impromptu bricks, impromptu Sequoia camping trip. So we'll see what happens. You know, everybody that comes kind of has their own, they might have their own yoga practice that they can share or, or they might be able to bring their arts and crafts supplies and, and uh, lead other people through some sort of lesson. And so I wanted this one to just be casual. Everything's optional. What do you want your weekend to be? Maybe you want it to be journaling, reconnecting with yourself or doing a couple hikes. There's a, there's a, a natural rock water slide. That's a really fun day hike. So, yeah. I love that. I really enjoy going on camping trips with some of my dear friends. And I grew up with lots of camping as a part of my upbringing. And in recent years, the last decade or so, I felt even on all of these camping trips, it's just a matter of time until one of those nifty little devices called a smartphone end up coming out. And whether that's to play music or take a photo it does find its way into attendance so with this upcoming camping trip how do you ensure that it's phone free this is actually going to be the first brick event that actually doesn't have service so even if people wanted to check email or anything online uh this area of the forest it's impossible you need a satellite phone so what we typically do is we have, especially at our weekend retreats, we have a, an opening ceremony and we wait till everybody arrives. We gather them and, and talk a little bit about the brick mission, but it is a ritual where I challenge everyone to go phone free for the duration of the experience. And obviously there's preparation that goes into that. So for instance, 
you people are are recommended to bring their own film cameras or Polaroid cameras or maybe even digital cameras so that they can still capture their experience. Um, the last time we we went on a camping trip, someone brought a 16 millimeter film camera, and so we got this amazing kind of grainy MOS video out of it. So that opening ceremony kind of sets the tone that we're all going to be fully present together. Maybe some people do have their own phone-free practice, but when was the last time you went phone-free with 50 other people? Mm. And maybe that answer was Burning Man two weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe it is something that, that you have done, but this is specifically structured. So everyone is kind of taking this challenge together. What I liked about your answer there is that there are there are so many amazing devices that can still be used to produce music or capture imagery, but the difference between those and the smartphone is, I remember like my first digital camera and it didn't receive notifications. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and an endless stream of in, like an infinity pool of of content mm-hmm. coming into it. So that's that's really neat. Yeah, and you know, we're not. It, we're, this is specific to the smart screen, you could say. Like if somebody were to come and bring a speaker system or any electronic music or other electronics, like that's not the issue. The issue is not your microwave. The issue is technology that is personalized, that is available to you at all times and is constantly dividing your attention. Since we were just talking about some of these brick retreats, I was just wondering if you had a a few memorable anecdotes from a few just from your own appreciation that is a call it a success story or just a powerful anecdote sure. that is fueling you to to put in the work to put these on sure yeah thank thanks for that question i love that question first first one that comes to mind is uh there was one guy who came on our last retreat and he said that he can never remember anyone's name he's just notorious for never remembering other people's names. It's, it's like a personal fault. He would joke about it. And he said that he effortlessly remembered 53 other people's names by the end of this trip. And he was so baffled at his own abilities. And he realized, I think, or saw the uh, at least partial evidence that it was because there was no distraction throughout the weekend, that when he was interacting with people, he was just fully present with them. He was fully engaged, which is something that which is so rare for him. Another comment that people have said that I just think is so interesting is we use our phones also to tell the time. Very few people wear watches these days. Um, many people, including myself, also don't really know how to read analog clocks. So even if there was a clock on the wall, I have difficulty knowing what that means or did for many years. And so when we don't have our phones on us, we don't really know what time it is. And there was people saying that they realized how regimented their time is knowing, knowing having their phones available to them, that they didn't even know it would be like midday. They'd be like, I don't even know if I'm hungry right now or not. Like, am I hungry? No one's telling me that it's noon and it's time for me to have lunch. You know, it's my, that is my hunger is this, um, you know, basic human need for survival has been outsourced to uh, my device, to time, or at least the clock. Um, And so people have, using this kind of rare 
internal check-in like wait am i actually hungry right now no one's no one's telling me that it's lunchtime or breakfast or dinner mm. and the time itself just seems to pass differently where in that two days it feels like two weeks and the when th- i don't know i don't know how to explain it but there's something about being unstructured and maintaining flow state more, I, I think, has is a component to it that really makes, you know, shows the relativity of time. Yeah. You and I are roughly in the same age range. And do you recall when we were kids, this is pre-smartphones, where us and our friends would somehow unbelievably coordinate without any of these tools that we coordinate with and it was like Tuesday at school we would say like hey Saturday we're gonna do x y and z and maybe and we didn't even necessarily say a time but somehow we still all coordinated and had these prolonged days of play adventure what have you and it's it's like I feel like I lost I've I've lost that innate ability uh, to do that but the truth is it's still there I hope not yeah I think it's still there and you know, it's also super convenient that if you're running late, you can text your friend and be like, yo, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Like there's a lot of benefits to being able to be in touch with everyone at all times. But yeah, like when was the last time somebody rode their bike over to your place and knocked on the door and was like, Hey, do you want to hang out? Like anytime somebody knocks on my door and I'm not expecting anyone, I'm like, what? who is this knocking on my door? Like it can't be a good thing. So there, there's a lot of behavioral shifts. And I also think that, yeah, when you made a plan back in the day, like, Hey, let's meet at the park at 7 PM. You kind of had to be there. You couldn't really flake. And so just our social Mm. threads were, you know, what you said you were going to do, I think ended up, meaning more because you couldn't really change it nothing is kind of uh, every everything is is malleable now and i think that it has led especially with dating and relationships to this kind of flake culture where you can connect and chat with so many people but it's so easy to connect and chat with so many other people that you know it's really easy to ghost um and it doesn't have a reflection on your your reputation where, you know, if you're engaging with people in the real world, you, you really just couldn't do that. Hmm. I like the powerful anecdote of the gentleman you mentioned that was able to rediscover his ability to remember names. I thought about that today, actually. So today, to me, it was only proper before I interviewed you to have it top of mind to put my phone in brick mode today. And it was nice. Yeah. And it was actually, it was quite useful. I had some important meetings with some clients that I really needed to be on top of my sort of design thinking brain. And so I put my phone into brick mode, which we'll talk about in a bit of the details of that. But in short, my phone was away. If anyone reached out to me, they got a clever, friendly, calm notification, letting them know that I wasn't on my phone. And what was awesome was I had several meetings throughout the day. And not only was I I more was I more present, but I became very aware of what I'm going to call either found time or what nowadays one might call 
awkward time. And, mm. you know, whether you're in a design meeting or you're having a coffee with a friend or a colleague, there's that moment where both of you are kind of done saying what you need to say. And it's just this awkward moment of silence yeah. that I noticed those are the moments I reach for the phone. Those are the moments I tap the screen to see, oh, are there any notifications? And when that's absent, like it was today, I was nudged to do other things like ask one more question of that person that has nothing yeah. to do with the business meeting, or I'm going to observe something in this room, or I'm just going to be silent and still. And yeah. I think there's something powerful about what you're doing there at Brick that is helping us take back the magic of these awkward moments and instead turning them into just deeper moments because uh, they're, yeah. they're, no, they're just a moment. It's just that you're filling it perhaps with something more deep than just grabbing onto the infinity stream of content on, on the phone. I love, I love the infinity stream phrase. I'm going to use that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm, Simon Sinek has, has spoken about this and he puts it much better than me, but yeah, if you're using uh, your device, for every interstitial moment in social situations, you are creating an obstacle. You're allowing an obstacle to come between you and actually bonding with these people. You don't bond with people when you're discussing work. You're bonding with people when you ask them like, oh, hey, like I actually remember last week you said your wife was having surgery, like how did it go? And uh, it's only in those moments that start, yeah, with a, innocuous but kind of discomfort of awkward silence that we all experience in elevators and waiting rooms and and all every day coffee shops if we we have replaced those typically with moments in our phone to get get little boosts of information and dopamine we're kind of negating um, a lot of the essence of life getting what we actually reach out to our phones for which is a sense of connection and you know, you reach out to your phone to see, hey, did I get a, a text from the girl that I asked out on the date? Or like, oh, did, you know, is my friend inviting me to something? Like you're using your phone, especially social media, for a sense of community and connection. But the problem is, is you can only get dopamine from it. And mm -hmm. dopamine is this endless searching neurochemical. There is no satiation point. It's like candy. And so it's only in the real world that when you interact with people that you can form more fulfilling bonds. Um, there's another chemical oxytocin, which actually can make you feel full and satiated from a, a bonding experience. And it's, it's only with that that you can, you, you know, what with that, that's kind of the purpose of the brick events is that we then, we remove the digital world so that we can offer an opportunity for more meaningful connections and oxytocin. And then, when you go back to your phone, you're less likely to overuse that candy just isn't as tasty anymore. Mm. Yeah, you've now experienced, uh, you know, the, the absolute delicacy of a raw, fresh truffle slice. Compared, <laughs> yeah. to, the, compared to the, you the umami. Yeah, not just the pop tart. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> brick didn't come out of nowhere. It obviously has a nexus. And I'm curious about taking us back to what, you know, key moment or key moments that led you to put so much effort into this movement? Sure. Yeah. So I guess just short history on myself, my background's in neuroscience. Uh, I did neuroscience research uh, 
when I was studying undergrad at Duke and then, and then after I graduated at UCLA. And then I got this great opportunity to become Steven Spielberg's assistant in the film industry at DreamWorks Studios. And so after I published this uh, neuroscience project, I went full on into film and tried to make science cool through top tier storytelling. That was kind of my career thesis. At one point, he promoted me to a new position uh, as the digital executive, where I was tasked to explore what DreamWorks Studios was going to do beyond film and TV. So what are we going to do on YouTube? What are we going to do in VR and on Facebook and in interactive content? And I started to build relationships with a lot of YouTubers and influencers, and they were all incredibly successful at social media, but were on it all the time and were incredibly uh, felt isolated and anxious and lonely. At the time, I knew that I was addicted to my phone, but I thought that it was my own personal private problem. And again, this, this was also three or four years ago where, um, you know, today it's, it's much more mainstream. There's an article out every week about how our phones have been designed to be addictive. And uh, it's very mainstream knowledge now. But back then, you know, there wasn't really anybody talking about it. And so I thought it was just me. And so when I realized that there was this epidemic of, of people, a lot of them younger than me, who uh, were also struggling with their phone use, I realized that we needed to create a healthy boundary and ethics uh, relationship with our devices before it was too late. Because I was also experiencing all this VR and being totally blown away by how immersive it was. Or Facebook didn't buy Oculus for $4 billion for fun, but to have a stronger stranglehold on the attention economy. And so if me and everybody I know is addicted to our phones with it just being this four inch screen, then it's gonna be game over once mass adoption hits and AR and VR is in all of our eyes. I made a commitment to myself to uh, try to solve this problem for myself the concept of brick started as a daily challenge for myself to put my phone down, to turn it into a brick, basically, make it unusable, and do something engaging in the real world. So for me, um, my favorite thing to do in the world is to read. And I have 150 books on my bookshelf that I hadn't read. And I spent an hour every night before going to bed reading. And by the end of that year, I'd read 28 books. And that sense of achievement of doing my favorite thing again was priceless. And I understand now that it's what they call a keystone effect. So changing one behavior creates a cascade of other positive habits. And so my life really opened up. Um, and then from there, I started challenging a couple friends like, hey, what do you want to turn your phone into a brick for an hour a day for a week? Let me know what happens. And they all had really interesting results. Two of them ended up deleting Instagram because they realized that it was making them feel worse. But they were like, you know what, it'd be really nice if we could do this with other people. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And uh, I started putting together phone free events. And it started off as like dinner parties and game nights. And then kind of just grew and expanded into big takeovers of venues, typically with a focus of wellness, but again, with um, always with a focus of creating more meaningful connections. Long-winded explanation. I needed to hear that. And I know the listeners will appreciate, they were thinking, wait, why brick? What? And now they have a clear explanation behind yeah. the name. 
So you're right. Phone addiction is a real thing. And, you know, the iPhone 11 just came out. So roughly 11 years or so since these incredible devices have been in the popular domain. Science, after a a decade or so, you can start crunching some quantitative metrics of being able to say like, hey, this is a legitimate problem. And now addiction to to phone or screens in general is, is legitimate. It's not just a casual comment. People really suffering with yeah. these things. And yeah. I, I remember a really great campaign on your social feeds about helping people assess whether they're edging towards a phone addiction or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that that question is important for any of us to visit. And so I was wondering if you had a few ways that listeners right now could quickly assess if they're edging towards uh, a phone addiction, or maybe you maybe you administer may, maybe you administer that to me right now over this sure. podcast. But just trying to help people not be intimidated by assessing that. Sure, sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, the survey you're referencing on our website I call the Volitional Control Survey. It's a ten question survey, and at the end of it, you are it spits out a score for you, a volitional control score, and volitional control is basically a fancy way of saying your uh, self-control, your free will. Your volitional control is your ability to say no to an unwanted habit. So if you cannot say no to checking your phone, then you are dependent on it. Uh, then that's what you know you call a bad habit. Uh, I actually don't use the word phone addiction. I will say sometimes kind of uh, informally, like I would addicted to my phone but when it comes down to it i uh you know the people that for one there is no diagnosis for phone addiction so uh you know it's not in the dsm it's still too early but even if there was addiction is is such a weighted word that i my focus is on high functioning people on motivated people who might be extremely successful in their life but just want to take back control of how they spend their time on their phone. Maybe they're spending too much time on their phone or they're checking it first thing in the morning or the middle of the night, or they find themselves doing it out of habit for no specific reason or doing it while driving or, you know, there's, there's a bunch of scenarios, but the, the focus is on increasing your awareness and volitional control when it comes to phone use. And I think that that's something that everybody can relate to. Um, whereas if someone were to say, you know, I just treat phone addiction, that just sounds very clinical to me and might actually make somebody want to tune out. feel like it's not for them, but maybe, maybe, you know, if I, and I'm, this is something that's constantly evolving, but if we reference this as digital wellness, which is Mm -hmm. kind of the, the burgeoning industry that we're calling this, it's like, more akin to physical wellness. Mm-hmm. If you don't work out, that doesn't mean that you're an addict to laziness. It just means that you're not necessarily living your best life, that you might not be sleeping as well or as productive or as uh, uh, fully functional as you might be if you had a physical exercise routine. And the crazy thing is 50 years ago, Nobody got out 
of their house strapped on running shoes and went for a run. That is, if you saw somebody running on the street in 1960, you'd be like, what are they running from? Like that was kind of unheard of. It's only uh, in, in the last 50 years that people started specifically going outside and doing physical exercise that wasn't just manual labor as part of your everyday life for your physical health. And, you know, now there's a gym on every corner and yoga classes. Um, can you hear me okay? Because I just got a note saying my connection's unstable. I can hear you fine. Okay. And okay, I just good. wanted to say thank you yeah. for that that clarification. Uh, I, I I do notice that, you know, the, the word addiction is not a, a light term and there's a big difference between uh, addiction, habit, and uh, dependency. You know, those are all very different. Yeah, dependency dependency is, is, a, is a word that I use because I think we can all acknowledge that, you know, we're dependent on our devices. We might have compulsions to overuse. And so, you know, it's just words have power and it's, it's something that I'm, I'm even myself. Sometimes I try to catch myself like, Oh, I shouldn't say that, you know, I was addicted to my phone. Sure. But yeah. So the volitional control survey, it's available on the, on the website, but if you do take it, there's basically three categories that you end up with that um, determines how dependent you are on your device. And if you want I could do it with you right now. You <laughs> let's do, do it. it. Oh, yeah, let's do okay. it. All right, I'll take the notes because um, I have it here in front of me. Okay, so what, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to read these questions out loud. Okay. And without thinking too deeply, they're all yes or no. Actually, they're just statements. They're not questions. Uh, I want you to just say yes or no if they apply to you. Don't think too hard. Just relax and be honest with, with uh, you know, your first impulse if you feel like it applies to you or not. And can so I, first, do yeah. I, real quick, do, do I do this like with a particular time reference, like last three months, last six months, most recently, does it not really matter? Uh, it doesn't really matter. You, okay. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Got it. I'm ready. Okay, cool. First quote, first statement. I find myself checking my phone out of habit for no specific reason. No. Uh, I open my phone for a specific reason and then lose track of time on it. Yes. I find myself checking my phone when I'm trying to focus on something more important. No. I check my phone even when I don't want to. Yes. I wish I spent less time on my phone. Yes. I check my phone in the morning right after waking up. No. I check my phone one last time right before going to sleep. No. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll check my phone. No. I check my phone while in social situations, even when it might be inappropriate. I'm going to say yes, because I have done it before. Sure. Uh, and this is all, you know, you could take this again in a week sure. or in a month and sure. it might be different. Uh, I check my phone while driving and not just to navigate. No. Okay, so you just said yes to one, two, three, four out of the 10 questions. And so I'm just doing a little math here. So what you just ended up with is a 60%. So you have what we would call 60% 
volitional control over your phone and device habits. What your score means, so if you got between 70 to 100%, then we would call that strong volitional control. That means that you might have mild dependency, you're in control of most behaviors, there's perhaps some minor bad habit or time wasting, uh, mild time wasting. And then 30 to 69, which you're on the high end of, uh, we call impaired volitional control. So this would be moderate phone dependency with room for improvement. You're in control of some behaviors, but not others. And you likely feel that your phone use is, uh, it's, it's a nuisance or frustrating, or it might be kind of annoying. From zero to 29%, uh, that's weak volitional control. And so that means that you have a severe phone dependency and your phone use is highly interruptive to your life. Um, it's probably impeding your life satisfaction and you're not living up to your potential. So no matter what you score on this, mm -hmm. except I guess if it was 100%, there's room for improvement. I work with people one-on-one -on -one of various categories. Depending on which category you're in, we might, we might work a little differently um, and do some triage, um, social media triage often. You know, for the most part for you, you're, you're probably in, you know, you're someone who's super mindful of digital wellness and these practices. You know, you have this podcast about it. And so you're incredibly aware of your habits. And um, there we go. Thank you for that. I was a little nervous. I was sitting there like, oh man, that's, <laughs> but, that, but you know what, what I just want to say is that what I like is now that I have a, I have a number that I can have a conversation with. Yeah. It's like a, it's just a, it's a metric. It's a baseline. It's now something that is an anchor and now you can take it again Yeah. in the future and see, yeah. see how it's improving. I would say over the period of the last two years, that I would say I went from, I'm going to just throw out a number like a, a 41% to okay. that, that 60. And those, that, that 19 point or 20 point jump in percentage has unbelievably exponentially improved the quality of my mm. life. And, you know, I can point to some of the exact questions you said, which was not checking the phone first thing in the morning uh -huh. yeah, and, that's and, huge. and right before going to sleep, those bookends I realized are so precious for several obvious reasons. One is that, you know, you, you wake up, you're out of dream world. How are you greeting the day? Yeah. And if you're greeting the day with this infinity pool of content screaming at you, I'm no neuroscientist myself, but I can just tell you through an intuitive feeling that, it's just like a machine gun of activity coming at, at me and my yeah. amygdala starts firing and I all of a sudden start worrying about, oh, I need to ship more work because all these other people are successful. And, you know, yeah. those, those sort of thoughts, starting your day with those, I don't, I don't recommend. And then, yeah. and then also at the other sacred bookend of the day, which is as you're preparing for sleep, if you sit there with that fresh in your, in your monkey mind, it, it made it very difficult for, for me to go to sleep. Yeah. And as we know, sleep quality is pretty important for the, the next day's feelings. And, and so just jumping away from those and being very deliberate about putting practices into place, it's had a profound impact on the quality of my thoughts, mental health, and therefore all, all the work I produce. That's awesome. Yeah, I, 
checking your phone in the morning, not checking your phone in the morning is such a game changer. Something that I was suffering from as well. And, you know, you just, it puts you in that reactionary state. You're coming out of that dream state, this flowy kind of creative space where you're your subconscious mind has been working on solving problems and consolidating memories all night. And if you immediately kind of overstimulate it with all this input, you are switching it to left brain kind of to-do list uh, frame of mind. And, you know, they say your email is everyone else's to-do list for you. So you're immediately being bombarded with things that other people Uh, want you to respond to or get back to you to, even if it's, Hey, do you want to come to a movie tonight? That's now, that's now something that you need to do. And so I found myself, if I, if I did not check my phone and my morning routine now, as I wake up, I meditate, uh, I now do this Wim Hof breathing that I just learned last weekend and uh, I make my coffee and then I sit down to work. It's just an entirely different day. Sorry, I forgot. I also write down my top three most important things that that I intend to do that day. And then that becomes the anchor for my focus for the day, not what what notifications I saw or the news I got that just like you said, it puts you in that fight flight state. And then you're just reacting to your phone all day. It puts you in a reactionary state where you're kind of reinforcing a behavior of being subservient to any vibration or ding that you get instead of saying like, no, I'm going to check you when I want to check you with intention. So this evaluation is available online. People can find it. And based on how they feel about their findings, they can also find help and in gaining control again. Is that, is that correct? Is that yeah. Yeah. So I I've developed this program that we call the brick method and it's a three-step transformational program to help you take back control of how you spend your time. And it's something that I do one-on-one over the phone with uh, private sessions. And then in LA, if you're in LA, I also do workshops and we, we do the workshop at our retreat retreats as well. And so um, for anybody that takes the survey or thinks they might score low on the survey, or even if they don't, and they want to improve their, their volitional control over their relationship to digital devices, these three steps uh, have worked for me. And uh, it's a great, super simple, easy and effective way to, to really focus on the things that are important to you in your life. Thank you for that that work you do and for helping people. That's very special. It's so it's so fun. I love it. Yeah, I, I really enjoy doing it. I mean, having somebody who, you know, starts with being on their phone for eleven hours a day and working together and getting them down to five hours a day and having them share how much more life they feel they have. I mean, life is short. Time moves fast. Time is our most precious resource. And you know, you're going to regret the amount of time that you spend on your phone. We need to structure with digital wellness now. We need to structure meaningful activities into our day and, and structure things that are important to us. Otherwise, our phones will just eat up that time. And so, yeah, it's so super rewarding. As you know, the Time Off project really is looking at just different parts of and vectors of 
rest ethic. And I want to know about your own rest ethic. And besides these awesome brick gatherings, like a camping trip or a Wim Hof breathing uh, activity, you know, aside from the things that you're doing through your, your work, which is awesome. What are some of the key elements of your day-to-day rest ethic and, and time off? Just would love to hear the different elements of your rest ethic. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, about the first hour of my day, I, I love cooking, cooking with my girlfriend. We, we uh, love spending an hour in the, co- in the kitchen, figuring out what crazy thing we're going to recipe we're going to follow um, for dinner. Again, I love to read. My girlfriend and I have this joke where, uh, you know, one of the steps in the brick method is to find a replacement reward. So if you're not getting dopamine from your bad habit, then you need to find uh, a healthier habit that is equally rewarding, that also gives you that dopamine. And so we kind of joke about making out is actually the healthiest replacement reward. And so... That sounds that sounds way better than a social media feed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's not something that you know you necessarily can do all the time. But I I'm lucky enough that I live with my girlfriend, and it's something that we uh, try to structure into our life as much as possible. You know, when I'm super stressed out or she's super stressed out, there's nothing like a good makeout session to. Uh, put you into flow state and force you to be super present and realize that everything is going to be okay. It's really simple and special. I've, I've asked the question of what's elements of people's rest ethic time off. And you're the first one to say make out and it's awesome. (laughs) It's so awesome. I hope, I hope listeners right after this, you know, if, if they have a significant other, I'm not recommending making out with strangers. But if they have someone they can make out with that when they're listening to it, thanks to you, they have a make out sesh coming. Soon. I hope so. I hope it goes well. You really so, can't go wrong. Yeah. So this question might, might seem a little out of left field, but myself and Max Frenzel, the co-author of the book Time Off, we're thinking a lot about the future of work and leisure. And of course, in our lens is that with more automation and the knowledge economy that leisure is a good thing and we should lean more into leisure to unlock our creative potential to develop new ideas as leisure is an important part of the creative process. I'm yeah. curious in your mind's eye, in your vision, and maybe some of your experiences, do you have a optimistic picture of where the future of work and leisure is going for our generation? I am optimistic. I think that there is a chance that it will get worse before it gets better. But I do think, I mean, what my mission is with Brick is for everyone to have a daily screen-free practice. We are always on and the world is constantly changing. So if we, it's again, creating that structure for you to, disconnect from the grid and think be inwardly we, we basically you know we live in three worlds we've got the outer world we've got the inner the outer world is like your friends relationships your job exercise uh, it's nature that's the outer world you've got the inner world which is your emotions your feelings your dreams your hopes and dreams uh, and then you've got the digital world and that's your followers and your 
Facebook feed and, and maybe it's your bank account. That's, that's, you know, digital stock market. And today, you know, we, we put so much time and effort into our digital world, into our digital lives, because it's just so stimulating. Not that it's better or worse than the others, but we have an imbalance in the amount of time that we are focusing our attention on each of these three worlds. And so what I hope in the future is a rebalancing of our attention. So we give equal attention to our outer world and the natural world, um, our environment, nature, uh, and our inner world. You know, what are our motivations and what's our purpose? What are our goals? Um, what do we really want to, to do in this life? Uh, and the digital world, you know, maybe you do still want a ton of engagement and followers and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm wondering, have you done any brick retreat like experiences or brick workshops for people that work together? Like for teams? Yeah. For teams. Like corporations? Yeah. Uh, we, that's, that's what I'm working on next. So, uh, great. That's good to hear. Cause I, I, I was yeah. just sitting here in my own you know, some of, in some of my consulting work, some of the teams I work with, the amount of times that I've had to emphasize, and I'm, I'm not perfect myself, of you know, going, going brick mode before we have a design meeting, let's say. It's like these, these devices are distracting our attention, and mm-hmm. you know, the value of the design is going to be a direct multiple of like how much we're paying attention to each other in that discussion or drafting session. And I just I like this idea of in the future of work that a lot of teams have to your point deliberate time where they're and even if especially if they're working on technology where it's like hey we're, we're going to go anti-technology like deliberately so that we can foster new ideas or just be inspired by you know something in the natural world and i i, I think that there's an amazing application for that in the workplace and i'm glad to know that that's a part of your roadmap yeah, thanks. I, I cannot wait to take this to teams. You know, the statistics on the amount of time people spend doing social media while at work is staggering. You know, I think I read once that people only do about 30 minutes of actual work a day, and the rest is kind of distracted checking and, and emailing and, and paper, moving papers. Um, I don't, that's definitely not true in all situations, but you know, it's definitely an issue also can affect, uh, employee retention. You know, when you're fully engaged in anything could be at work or could be in a movie or could be reading a book, you know, you only enjoy things that you are fully present for. And so if you're in a meeting and you're checking your phone or, thinking about checking your phone because you just felt a vibration, um, you're going to not only be distracted, but it's, it's impossible to enjoy the experience uh, as much. And so, yeah, we're developing a program that's specific to teams, corporate teams, to uh, be more productive and execute faster and, and better using digital wellness practices. Awesome. Well, the most consistent question i like to ask guests and it's kind of hypocritical in a way not that i think about we're talking about (laughs) non-device time but let's say everyone is on their devices at this moment 
And if I was to grant you the power to send a push notification to everyone with those phones right now, do you have a phrase you would put in that little bubble? Uh, I would say, is checking this notification the most meaningful thing you could be doing right now? Mm. Is that too many words? No, no, I think it would <laughs> okay. fit. I think it would fit. That's beautiful. Is there, is there anything I didn't ask that you wish I would have that you could talk about? No, I, I love all your questions. I mean, I, I'm super passionate about what we're doing with the brick method right now. I think that it's something that can benefit everybody really multi-generational for those of you listening. If you kind of did the volitional control survey in your head, reach out to me. I'm, I'm, uh, would love to chat and share how the brick method can help you. Hope everybody takes an extra minute to make out with someone, uh, <laughs> after listening to this and, uh, enjoys it. So yeah, I'm going to say if I was to answer for you, my push notification would say, find someone right now and make out, but I don't know if <laughs> that would work out. <laughs> um, There's someone you could be making out with right now. Right. Oh, that's good. See that, that, that takes the responsibility away from us. That's good. <laughs> well, so your gobricknow.com is that the correct domain? Yep. yep. Awesome. Well, if, if anyone's listening to this and it's before October 4th, make sure and you're in the California area, there's yeah. a camping trip that you'll see on their website. I wish I was, I was joining. I've got some writing to do. Yeah. But, I wish you could come. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there at a future brick event. You have my word. Good. Sounds good. Well, Tommy, this was a, a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to describe these things. And I know the listeners will benefit from revisiting their dependency on their phone. So, so glad we chatted. Thank you so much, John. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to join the digital wellness movement that Brick is creating, check them out on their website, which again is gobricknow.com. I really hope this time off episode helped you take your rest ethic a bit more serious. And if you need anything from us, you can always visit timeoffbook.com. Have a calm rest of your day.